On this episode of Documental, I'm speaking with Yusuf Sarhan, a web designer and online business mentor. I was actually one of his uh, mentees, so it's a pleasure to have him finally on the podcast. Thank you, Yusuf. Cool. Thanks, to have, thanks for having me here. Looking forward to chatting with you about everything. Absolutely. So we can start this conversation on your expertise. Let's talk about web design. Let's have a random guy that's very interested in getting into online business. Uh, what would you say to him on web design and how can he get started? Yeah, so that's obviously my bread and butter. So I'm a little bit biased there, but it's worked well for me. Uh, I've been in the online business of web design for about 15 plus years right now. Um, and the reason why I recommend it to people is because of that fact, right? Like I've been able to do it for over 15 years because it's not going away, right? Like no matter what business, online business trends come and go, like whether it's drop shipping or, you know, whatever, uh, affiliate marketing, whatever, all of these online businesses need websites and someone's going to make those websites. So why not be the website maker? I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like being the coffin maker or something like that, although it's a little more positive than that. But the idea being that like, it's kind of a Lindy industry to be in. It's just not going away and it's probably going to become like more and more accessible and, you know, more and more popular as time goes. I mean, people like you and other people, they're starting their own online businesses or have ambitions to start their online business. So it's not just a thing that like nerds do. It's something that everyone's doing now. So why not be the person who helps with that? That, that would be like at a premise level. As for like what they need to be doing in order to actually start, it's really simple. So there's a tool called Webflow, all right? Previously, I've recommended WordPress, but that's because you get a lot of, a lot of features kind of going off the shelf when you, when you start using WordPress. It's basically a blogging platform. But Webflow, it's a little bit more um, kind of agnostic. You can do whatever you want with it, and you can create really beautiful-looking, powerful websites very quickly in Webflow. Um, they're totally different than using things like Wix or Squarespace, which are mostly trash. Like you're not going to become a good web designer using those tools. But if you use Webflow or use WordPress, Webflow have an amazing archive of videos. You can just watch them. They're completely free called Webflow University. It'll teach you everything you need to know about the basics, enough to sell a website for like two or three K, a hundred percent. Give yourself six months. There's no reason why you can't be making two or three K on a website that takes you a week to make. Um, and then if you go to WordPress route, tons, tons of content on YouTube. And all of this is pretty much available for free online. It's like pretty much accessible online for free. You can teach yourself within three to six months and there's no reason why at the end of that you can't be making minimum 500 bucks on a project that takes you a few days, even a week, or two or three or four or 5K on a project that takes you maybe a little bit longer because like, I know how hard it is to do that. It's not that hard anymore because there's so many resources and tools like WordPress and Webflow. So that would be like the basic kind of like high level introduction into web design. It's not going away and it's super easy to get started. So kind of got no excuse at this point and there's like very little capital outlay like like 30 quid a month max like 30 30 dollars a month max to kind of run a web design business and um like uh the risk is super low because like you've got no liabilities or anything so yeah i, I, I absolutely recommend it it's solid okay so there's two sides of this um of this business that we can look at is the negative side that people might have and then the positive. So I'm going to ask you two different, different questions in that respect. 
for the negative side, if someone's going to learn web design, is there any concern that something like AI or automation may uh, make your expertise obsolete? Or will we always have some kind of integration with those technologies that we always, there will always be a demand and we will always be satisfying that demand as a web designer? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Uh, you know, you'll, there's a bunch of ways you can answer that question. Okay, so um, at, at a very high level, no matter what happens in technology, I think for at least the foreseeable future, there's going to need to be human oversight, right? So there's always going to be a human component involved in at least overseeing any kind of AI or machine learning. Having said all of that, though, when it comes to websites, I'm just not sure websites are the kind of thing that AI or machine learning is going to really be effective or valuable at doing. It's more effective for things like medical image, imaging, software, um, security, kind of actually back-end things. But when it comes to the front-end, I'm just not sure that AI or machine learning or anything like that is going to make sense when it comes to developing websites because there isn't really a scale problem with, with uh, developing websites, which is really what which is really what um, uh, AI and machine learning solve, right? Like the th things that are hard to do because they require so much scale at a very high level to be able to oversee so much data and then come up with some sort of um, output which makes sense against that data. Websites don't have that problem. So it's not really a problem that AI or machine learning is going to really fix because it's not an AI or, AI or machine learning problem. However, having said all of that, there is a kind of commoditization of websites that's happening, which means that someone who has little or no technical knowledge can actually start to develop a website. At the moment, though, that for me is a strength because what it means is people can get started in web design much quicker. And knowing humans and knowing the way they are, people, even though things are relatively easy to do, they still want to pay other people to do them. I mean, people pay, them, pay other people to clean their house right? Okay. That's the commoditization of cleaning turned into a product. People can, people can clean their house, but that doesn't mean the cleaning companies don't make money, right? So I'm not sure the AI machine learning thing is going to touch it for a long time. And if it does, it'll probably just, you know, empower people like me. But there is an element of, of web design that is being kind of commoditized now and Webflow and WordPress are doing that to some extent, but they've been doing that for a long time. But that just makes our jobs easier it doesn't mean that everyone's going to become a web designer. That's, that's, that's the kind of trends. That's the trend that I'm seeing happening in web design. It's becoming easier to get started. But at the end of the day, not everyone wants to do it for their own business. They want to pay someone to do it. Plus, even though someone might have the tools, they may not know how to use them, right? So you still need someone with that intuitive sense and that human intelligence to apply their creative as well as strategic understandings, having designed already 100 websites to that other person's business. And I think that's, that's where the designer will always be more valuable than the person who's designing their first site thinking it's gonna make their business successful. The designer who's done it a hundred times already is, is gonna is gonna, um, is gonna know more. I mean, also there's another way of looking at it. Like just because you, know, you get access to, you know, let's say jujitsu videos on YouTube, it doesn't mean that there isn't value in going and meeting your professor and watching him roll so you can learn directly from him. You're always gonna like, go to the person who cares more about the topic than you. So yeah, like these commoditization aspects of, of web design are really just making it easier for web designers to actually do more with less and you know, complete a 5K project in two days rather than a month. And that's the kind of stuff we're seeing. Yeah, and it makes you think uh, how we want to conserve the human element to pretty much all the jobs we do on earth because 
as you said, I mean, some things just don't need to be replaced. And um, it's a good lead up to the other side of the discussion that I want to bring up is the positive, right? So as a designer, you develop a certain eye and you might be a little bit more creative than the average individual because you are seeing things in a different life, a different light, a different perspective. What are the perks of being a web designer besides, uh, let's say, uh, freedom from a nine to five? and working wherever you want. I mean, I'm assuming there are some traits that you develop that make you a better human being overall. Yeah, I mean, like one of the things that I think makes web design an enjoyable line of work is the creative component. And while you don't get total creative control because clients are gonna have their opinions too on what they want their site to look like and all the rest of it, there's still a lot of creativity in a lot of the details that you need to solve every single day. And sometimes it's creativity against a technical problem some code isn't working right, you need to figure out a solution. That can be so rewarding when you nail it. You, you know, you, you figured out the problem. It's like a puzzle you solved. Mm -hmm. But also just on the kind of aesthetic side of things, you know, the, the color, the look and feel of sites, the inter interactions, the sort of animations and experience, the branding, that can be incredibly rewarding too because like you'll work on a project <clears throat> and you know, you'll be happy with it, right? And then a month later, you'll have a new project and it will just look, 10 times better than that previous project in your opinion because i don't know you like you nailed like the, the branding or the color palette or the imagery or whatever whatever aspect of the website you're impressed with so there's this kind of like constantly impressing yourself that happens it's really like good for your confidence because it makes you feel like you're improving even though like you know the clients may not notice but they may notice over long periods of time that hey you're getting a lot better but um, that's a very rewarding aspect. There's a lot of creativity baked into the job that you don't get with a lot of other jobs. Like creativity kind of isn't important, you know, in a lot of jobs. So yeah, there's, there's a default creative component, which I think all humans benefit from when they do regularly, this ability to have an opinion, assert it into the world and then see it exist. That's, that's pretty satisfying on, on an emotional level. So that's, that's an aspect of web design I, I actually don't talk about very much. Yeah, I'd be interested to see you elaborate on that in one of your YouTube videos that you do occasionally that are, are fascinating and just value packed. So it might be a different side that uh, people that are interested in web design um, or just online business in general might want to take a look at. Yeah, actually, I've got a whiteboard where I have, like, I have 15 ideas for YouTube videos. Okay. <laughs> Stories I have from my career and whatever and in the past, and I should put that down because... Yeah, that's, that's definitely a benefit that I think I take for granted because it's the only kind of job I've ever had. And well, I've worked like in some other jobs. And when I compare the creativity that I have access to versus like when I was, I don't know, working in, in like a job that had no creativity, it, it's, it's important. Like it's a really important thing to be able to do. And, and also when you're working for yourself, even though you have clients, you kind of have your own, um, you're your own boss. So you can kind of determine the level of creativity that you want to experiment with. So there isn't someone like breathing on your neck, like I said. So yeah, there, I mean, there's a ton of benefits. It's probably not for everyone though. There's going to be some people who just won't enjoy it for whatever reason. And that's okay. Like not everyone has to, but it's one of these things where it's like, if, if you're already based on everything I'm saying so far, you're kind of liking what I'm saying. You like the premise. You got to try it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good, good job. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm putting myself in the mind of somebody like a prospective student of yours that is interested in web design. One thing they may bring up is, okay, that sounds great, but how do I actually get clients? How would you respond to that? And, you know, could you 
give some ideas in terms of outreach and networking? Yeah, that's that's a like a solid question, and it's probably the most common question I get asked. So there's two ways to look at this. At the beginning, getting clients is going to be hard, and and most people are just going to give up. Um, but that's good for you if you don't give up because it means you've got less competition. Um, however, as time goes, getting clients becomes way easier and you end up having to turn down clients. So that's a good thing to know that long term, like it's going to work out if you keep at it. That, that's a good thing to know, right? That you'll see a return on your effort. And that's, that's again, just a function of getting better at something. People want to work with you. It's just how it works. Uh, however, in the short term, right? Like day one, how do you get clients? Well, first you've got to get like somewhat competent. Okay. You can't expect to get clients unless you're competent. The best way to get competent is just to create your own website and then create a few demo websites with different kind of like purposes, right? Like your own website might be a portfolio or just an about me section or something like that with a contact form. Another website could be like a fictional dentist's website. And the benefit, the purpose there is to create maybe some sort of a, a contact form or booking an appointment form and then maybe some information about dental treatments, right? So you're kind of like testing to see if, are you, are you capable at serving kind of small to medium-sized businesses? And once you feel you are, which really shouldn't take more than three to six months to get good at that, to get like as good as you need to be, you then need to start approaching businesses. And, and like without going into too much detail about how you need to approach a business, what you need to do is identify a business that's first making more money than you, considerably more, like 10x what you're making or what you are likely to make. Meaning they need to be making like 50K a month or 30K or 100K a month. So like dentist practices or uh, doctor's offices, like surgeons, this kind of thing, like auto, auto dealerships, these kinds of businesses. The reason being that when you go to them and you say, hey, I've got, a, I've got a website and they see it as a cost of 2K or something like that or 1K, I can design your website. It's not much for them. So the price doesn't become the problem because you never want to compete on price. If you compete on price, it's a race to the bottom. You got to compete on quality. That's why I said I started with saying you need to get good enough. That needs to be the primary thing that you're concerned about. Once you approach these businesses, you got to give them some free value. The way in which you give them free value is by maybe doing a little quick audit of their current setup and how you think you can make it better. But how you think you can make it better needs to actually make a difference to their bottom line. All right? Because they're smart. They're a business that's bigger than yours. Remember I said that? They're a business that's bigger than yours. It means they're successful. They're doing something right. They're going to look at this through the lens of whether or not it's going to make them money. So you need to come to them with some clear points about how this investment is going to make them money. It's an investment, right? And the way you can do that is very simple. It's going to drive more customers, going to improve their reputation. It's going to whatever, get them leads, whatever it is. So um, that's how you have to frame it. So whatever the business it is, you need to frame it in that way. And if you're able to do that, right, and you're able to paint that picture that I am good enough, you're a business that needs me, here's some value that you're going to get out of making this investment. And then it's just about hitting like, 10 businesses a day or hitting five businesses a day with that pitch and slowly refining it as time goes. And it is inevitable that you will get a client. And even if you get lots of no's, that's still data because you can look at that and go, well, why did they say no? What are they using as an alternative? Um, who are my competitors? Do I need to change my offer? Uh, do I, yeah, do I even need to change my offer? Maybe you don't, maybe their no is completely valid. So there's a lot of data in the no. Um, so you're not concerned emotionally whether they say yes or no. You just want to give it your best shot. If they say yes, that's awesome. If they say no, that's awesome too because it's data. So you work with that. So, I mean, you can tell like it's, I'm saying it very simply. It's hard though. It's, it's not easy. Like it's, it's hard work. There's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of stuff you're going to forget to do and it's going to compromise like some deals or whatever. But that's why I do my mentorship and that's why I 
I tweet about what I tweet about because I try to help people move the needle on this. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, like th that's a very simple outline of what you need to do. Get good, reach out to clients, show them the value, um, and take it on the chin if they say no and keep moving forward. And then after a couple of years of doing that, or five or a decade after doing that, you won't have any issue attracting any clients ever. And you can actually start scaling and easily become an agency where you outsource projects if you feel like you've got too many, too many uh, clients on the go at any time. And then that's, I mean, then you're made easy. You're making like, you can, you can make six figures plus a month, but that's obviously not typical, but you can definitely make like 10 to 30 K a month at that point. To all the listeners out there, I mean, what Yusuf is talking about is so valuable because it's transferable to pretty much all businesses that you run. In the beginning, it's going to be difficult, but if you stick through it, then it creates kind of a snowball effect where you, like he said, uh, you have to turn down clients. You're casting a wide net and then you're kind of taking away the pieces that you don't need until you're comfortable. I uh, was once um, a mentee in Yusuf's mentorship and I have to say it changed my life. So if you are all thinking about taking on this program, I would highly recommend it. I have skin in the game. Him and I worked quite a bit for uh, on, di on different projects and it worked out very nicely. So you should all give it a shot. Uh, Yusuf, um, to close this interview, do you want to give the listeners a brief introduction and a little bit of your story? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. An introduction at the end. Anyway, let's do it. Um, so basically, yeah. So like I said earlier, okay. So actually a couple of days ago, I came across the first agency. I think it was the first formal time that I created a brand around my design work that I started in, I think 2005 or 2004 or something like that. It was called alphadesign.ie. It's still up for some reason. I don't, I'm not in charge of the hosting. There's a guy in Canada. So we had a guy, um, in rural Ireland who did all the like sales and outreach and got some clients. Then I did all the design in Dublin at the time. And then a guy in Canada did the hosting. He was like the webmaster. Like that's what they were called then, right? He did the hosting and the coding to make mm. the sites a thing. And um, it was an agency and it was totally remote. And this was 2005. And that website is up right now. If you go check it out, alphadesign.ie, it actually still looks okay. I mean, it's not mobile optimized. It's a little bit dated looking, but there's sort of a timelessness to it. So anyway, like the point I'm making is I started quite a while ago when I was in high school um, and I never, I've never stopped doing it. I've taken slightly different routes within it, like going down the more software kind of application design route, which is a little bit different than just designing like marketing websites or kind of simple web apps. It's a little bit more kind of sophisticated, but it kind of comes with some stresses and some sort of circumstances that I don't really enjoy. Like you end up having to work for like big corporate clients. Sometimes you have to be in their office. Sometimes you actually have to join their company if you want to make a difference. And it's a bit more of a career move, a bit more of a commitment. And, and that's not really what I enjoy. I enjoy the freedom of web design. So I kind of stay on the kind of marketing side of web design. Um, so I did that and I kept doing that for many years. I was able to travel all the time. I was able to start all these different side projects. I started a bunch of tech companies, one of which I would consider was big success. We were able to sell the app that we developed. I worked with a developer in um, Thailand. We met on, on Twitter, actually. Uh, I was able to work with him. We built that app. It was acquired. He joined their company, extended his visa in the States. I was offered a job. I didn't want it because I wanted to start a new company. 
I've like tried to get into Y Combinator, um, which is a, um, a seed stage investment uh, organization in San Francisco. Uh, start they they seed investments in Dropbox, um, Airbnb, a bunch of other huge companies that we know. Um, didn't get accepted there, but that was a massive failure, but an amazing opportunity to learn. I started a bunch of other companies. Some of them failed terribly. Some were moderately successful. The acquisition was probably the most successful one. But all throughout that, it was my web design business that bankrolled all that and gave me the freedom to do all of that. Um, got to travel the world, you know, just always web design. It always comes back to that. Like, that's why I talk about it. That's why I do it. And even now till today, it's still probably 80% of my income is web design. Um, like just this week, I you were talking about like clients. Like I had to, I probably turned down a client last week and then last month and then tomorrow I've got another client call. And then earlier this week I had a client call. So like as time goes, it just becomes something that like, it's just in your fiber that this is what you do and you're good enough at it that you never really have an issue getting clients and you turn down some and you, you only work on quality projects and like, it's, it's just the shit. Like, and it's not that I came in at like the right time. Like not really, because when I started 2005, it was like really inefficient. I was making like 250 bucks designing a website. You know, it was required three people to do that. Now it's like just one person can do it and you can make 10x that on the same site because people value having a web presence much more now than they did then. And um, there's so much more tools and it's just like, it's just a really enjoyable way to work. And um, on my Twitter, I'm going to be posting a lot more videos specifically on web design now moving forward, not keeping it too general. I'm going to kind of niche down a little bit on web design because I think that people like need, really need to be educated on how it actually works and the value of it and the timelessness of it. Of all the internet businesses, I think web design is like by the premise, the most timeless business to work in because every online business, no matter what it is, needs a website no matter what it is. And if you can be the person who provides that service, you can be that vendor, you're not going to struggle with making money online. It's not, you're not at all. It's, and it's natively remote because that's the purpose of websites. They're online accessed from anywhere. So it's remote by default and it's future-proof too. We talked about that earlier with machine learning and AI. I believe it's future-proof because I don't see those uh, particular technologies impacting the web design industry as much as other industries like trucking, for example, because there isn't a scale problem with web design. There, we're not, we don't have that problem. There's not, there's not um, an issue with websites taking too long to develop and being inefficient to develop, not at all. Um, and there's always gonna need to be the human creative component and the experience and the intuitive component, which I don't think web is, uh, with AI or machine learning really cares about within the context of web design. I think it cares more about it within the context of, you know, uh, um, object avoidance on the road or, you know, um, like uh, cell mutation in, in, you know, MRI scans. Like that's more where we're going to see machine learning have, making a huge impact autonomy. But I'm not sure it impacts web design or similarly guitar design or, you know, violin design. I, I don't think it makes much of an impact there at least not to affect employment. Right. And you were just in, um, you were just in Dubai. So if listeners are intrigued yeah. about the, uh, distance from a office space, uh, take that into consideration, <laughs> man. Yeah. Like I was just in Dubai and, um, I spent about just over two weeks there 
and you can be in Dubai and you can be working for clients in the United States. And then you can decide to hop on a plane and fly to Singapore and still work for that client. And they don't know the difference. They don't care at all. Why would they care? Imagine they said, no, you've got to stay somewhere. It makes no sense. <laughs> so like you have the freedom to be wherever you want, right? That's the first thing. But you also don't have the opportunity cost and the time wasted by commuting to an office, which is unpaid for, dealing with all these people in a really like uncomfortable environment. It's got so many carbohydrates and sugar going around, with all these weird office politics, these arbitrary hours and no paid overtime a lot of the time. And zero time to yourself. I remember when I started my first job out of college, which I held for a very short period of time. Um, I remember thinking, wow, this is like a bum deal. I'm giving five days up and I'm getting two. That's just doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Like at best, it should be three and a half, three and a half. Like, I sorry, at, le- at the worst, it should be three and a half, three and a half. I give you half my time, I get half my time. Five days and then getting two and not getting paid for commuting and having to pay for commuting. I mean, who is this benefiting? So yeah, I was kind of like, it's sort of think of it sometimes like you're getting red pilled in business. Although I think the red pill movement is sometimes a bit of a joke, but like, you know, just the analogy from the matrix, you kind of get red pilled in business and you're like, hold on, like this doesn't make any sense to work in an office. It just doesn't, especially nowadays. Oh, it doesn't make any sense. So you you just don't do it. And then once you don't do it and you do what you're doing, it's just hard to go back. Like it's, it's just hard to go back. You're making money online. It's virtual. It's remote. Why would I do it any other way? At the very least, you get to spend more time with your dog or your goldfish or whatever, and that makes you happier. It's true though, right? And like you get to like you get to follow your diet a lot better. So like, for example, like let's say you want to lose weight. All right, it's like okay, you have the food that you need in your fridge. That's what you eat. There's no like trying to grab lunch when you're in work. You want to work out? Cool. You just make time, do a home workout. Like you have so much more headspace. Where like if your life doesn't improve, well, like you can't blame anything. It's all on you then, and that's a good position to be in because then you're accountable. So right. it's just, yes, it's like, it's night and day. Like there, there's no reason why people will in the future be working in offices when they can work online. Right. And it, there's a less arbitrary um, activity. It's more deliberate in everything you do. I mean, there's so many benefits of working as a freelancer or remote working. So um, I hope that listeners take this into consideration and listen, talk to Yusuf. He's on Twitter. We'll include the information in the description below. and we'll close it there. Yusuf, thanks so much for coming on this episode. Yeah, cool. Thank you for having me. It was good to chat about web design and to catch up with you. It's good to see that you're happy and you're working online now and doing your thing. It's awesome. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. Cool. Bye.